Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, GR Mom, joined as always by GR Dad. Bonus modus. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, is this a super followers or everyone bonus pod? Everyone can have this questionable benefit of having my ramblings. You have called this podcast to order, so you are in charge of the agenda for it. That sounds fine. Great. However, chime in at your leisure. I know you have things to contribute also, and your big brain will just be popping away like popcorn, so chime in. Okay. All right, number one, garden update. Mm. The key lime tree continues to produce almost scary numbers of key limes <laughs> for something that is bush size. Yeah. I mean, it's probably six feet and five feet tall, six feet tall. It's not, I wouldn't really call it a tree if I saw it. Six feet, yeah. But it makes key limes like nobody's business. This is like late harvest stuff. I went out yesterday and there was a key lime on the ground. So I bent down to pick it up to bring in the house. And then three more fell off and I picked them up and I bumped it again. And then like five <laughs> more fell off. So I was like, don't bump it. I have nine limes now. And we have, we probably have 30 that we haven't processed. And that's on top of a hundred others that we process over the season. I mean, I it just keeps every week. It makes tons. So I'm nice. so impressed with this local tree that like loves it in these weird conditions here. Cause it's been hot it's and dry. It's a key lime tree. It is kicking butt. And it's planted on a key. It is kicking butt. It is fairly bug resistant cause we have bug problems. It is drought resistance cause we have drought problems. It is heat resistance cause we got heat problems. It just keeps making limes. It's like, forget about it. It's fine. I'm going to give you guys limes. You take good care of that tree, too. I do water it, and I love being the the giver of life, the bringer of water to our plants. That's true. You spray it for bugs, though. I do, but not as aggressively because it has blossoms, right? And like, I only use the bee-safe stuff. Yeah. And because there are bees that, that mm -hmm. pollinate it and stuff. Um, so I don't do, I don't, I can't be as aggressive with that one as I am with some of the non-blossoming trees. So I, yeah. I, I feel like it's a hardy little producer. Amazing. It's very fun. You're doing a good job. Also bananas were good. I probably got like 30 of them. We had a whole handle of bananas. L literally a bunch. A bunch. Um, that all kind of ripened quickly. And then over-ripened relatively quickly. So I had like a three-day window to eat as many as I could. And I probably <laughs> ate about 10. But it seems like I left some on the table or, you know, on the on the vine or yeah. on the bunch. There was only so much we could do. Uh, they tasted banana-y, though. They were good. Yeah. I mean, I'm very pleased with my banana process. Good job. And then you uh, can probably update about the pineapple. We, we have a number of pineapple plants. And... Uh, in fact, you just brought down the two pineapple plants <laughs> yes. from Maryland that I had grown from pineapple seeds. Amazing. Uh, growing pineapples from seeds is a challenge, which is why I did it. Like, they're the teeny tiny little black specks that you see in your pineapple chunks. I mean, they look like something from a bagel. They don't look like a seed. Yeah, like a poppy seed size. Real small. And if you want to grow them, you have to, like, wrap them in a paper towel and put it in a plastic bag and then wait, like, six months and they maybe will start to sprout a little bit. They're absurd. And it's a small, how could this small thing ever grow into a big plant? It takes forever. And then you can like gently set them on some soil 
and it takes a really long time but i managed to turn two of those little seeds into actual plants which were in our kitchen garden windows in maryland and you brought them down i think when you went to get the green bean isn't part of the process that you have them on wet paper towels wet paper towels in a plastic bag yeah for six months i mean it was inconceivable that that would work ever yeah but you have these two plants and now i've brought them to a place that is conducive to pineapples instead of just maryland which is Turns out real real dry air and, yep. you know, different sun conditions here. They seem to like it. They're in the ground and doing well. They're making new little leaves. And I think we maybe bought a pineapple plant. And then we have a couple that we've grown from the tops of other pineapples. Because you just cut the top off. That's what a pineapple plant looks like. And if you peel off the bottom leaves and uh, there's already roots in there. And you can just stick it in a glass of water for a few weeks. And the roots will extend out. And then you can you could just actually stick it on the ground when you are done eating it, but I like to root them first. And yeah, I think it's that's a higher percentage move. Yeah. So, but we have a few plants out there now that are from the tops of other pineapples, and so one of them just produced a pineapple, and we ate it, and it was legitimately the best pineapple pineapple I've ever eaten in my entire life. Very intense flavor. Really, really good. good. Yeah. It was not the biggest pineapple ever. No. Nope. But nope. it was the best pineapple ever. It was great. Yeah, really good. And of course, super fun that we grew it ourselves. I was like chopping it up. You were on the phone. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like it's ready. Because <laughs> we had grown one before. Yeah. And I overripened it. It was bad. I was like, I was not in town. And no, this was a real, that was on me. And he was sending pictures and I was like, it's ready. You got to pick it. And he's like, I don't want to screw it up. I'm not going to pick it. I was like, it's, but it's ripe. You got to pick it. And then you didn't pick it. And, and then like it was... Two days later, it was rotten. Rotten on the vi- on the mm-hmm. stalk. It was all like fuzzy, fizzy. We had to throw it away. Fizzy is not a good flavor for fruit. So this one we picked and we let it ripen a couple more days in the house. And I was like, oh, it's time. So you were on the phone and I was like cutting it up. You're cutting off the outsides and coring it and just slicing it up. And then I ate a piece and I was like, oh, this is good. And so then I ate like half of it. And I was like, I must leave half really of this good. pineapple for Ingo when yeah. he gets off the phone. It was like too good to put in drinks because oh, yeah. it had just enough flavor it by itself. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. And then you planted a guava tree. Yeah, kind we of have a dark a, horse. We have a neighbor, Ralph. He flies the uh, air ambulance that airlifts all the Keys residents to Miami, and uh, he's great. And I was talking to him, and he has a, a giant mango tree that they kind of transplanted from a neighbor's house. And he has a guava and a sour sop and a sugar apple, like all these really interesting tropical plants. Nice. And um, yeah. So I talked to him for like half an hour when I was out walking one of the dogs and I w- came home inspired and I was like, I want a guava tree and nacho. <laughs> nacho just started eating the box of podcast equipment. He loves wood apparently now. You like wood. Um. So yeah, I bought a guava tree. Guavas are delicious. It's doing well. I got to say it's, it's really, you know, mm-hmm. gathering steam. Yeah, it's like this is where I live. We also planted an avocado and it's kind of unhappy. See, they're real droopy. I think it's okay. Droopy. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's okay. It's like a, you know, it's in, it just got rooted. It probably is still sending out little feelers. Yep. One thing that I did um, order that hasn't arrived yet, but that I've wanted to do for a really long time is that I bought two vanilla plants. 
I think that's so cool. That's, that's so exotic. It's so cool. Wars fought over this. I think wars were fought over this. Like we're in the, you know, it's just kind of the southern edge of the continent that is conducive to growing vanilla outdoors year round. And it's an orchid. Vanilla plants are actually a variety of orchids. So they climb, they're climbing vines. And uh, you can have just one because they'll self-pollinate, but you get a much better production if you have two. Everything's better with a friend. So I bought two. I may keep them on the porch in pots, so outside, um, so we can bring them in if there's a hurricane, but sure. not, not plant them in the ground. Or lizards. Or who knows what eats vanilla. Or I dogs. Love vanilla. I love vanilla too. Vanilla beans, it's one of those things where vanilla beans are ridiculously expensive. It's like 30 bucks for a bean at the store. Sure. And uh, not that I use it for that much. No, they have that, like, that extract, the juice. Yeah, I mean, I could make my own extract. But I like putting vanilla beans in stuff. Like putting the seeds in there, little, little like black specks. One of the most exotic things so I can good. think of is to grow vanilla. I mean, maybe saffron would be more yeah. epic yeah but vanilla is right up there with you know things i see in the store but don't actually consider growing them because surely they're secret i'm very excited i've wanted to do it like since we bought the house and i finally this week was just like i'm doing it i'm buying the vanilla plants are they on fast growing trees they were from fast growing Get trees out yep that's hilarious fast growing trees we've bought a lot of uh, trees from fast growing from trees all growing zones in all our hemispheres yeah maryland we have a lot of their trees in our maryland house um but yeah, yeah a lot of the trees starting here with apple trees they were fast growing the apples the pears yeah, yeah my giant pine spite trees what are those things called green arborvitaes Arbor green giant arborvitaes. green giant yes. i think the cherry tree in the front yard is from fast growing trees could be yeah. the weeping cherry yes yes yep um so yeah so vanilla coming they they were sort of expensive plants but i they're going to bring me a lot of joy well they're expensive beans mm -hmm. we can if make i get all like that six beans i'll have made it back so if we sell that stuff to whole food we can make a ton of money uh yeah yeah and then the avocado plant of course mm. I, I just said that mm -hmm. i don't have any pepper plants right now but those things grow like crazy bingo I think loves growing peppers peppers uh, pepper plants seem like they're the most forgiving of plants yeah. they just they grow in shade and sun you know you got to keep them somewhat watered but not like crazy watered i think they repel bugs with their cap capsaicin capsaicin they seem very hardy and very like prolific little things yeah the ones that we had for quite a while i mean we you you absolutely take care of them got some weird kind of white stuff growing on them yeah but i sprayed it and it was fine mm. but by then it was you know the peppers were all a little wilty yeah it's time for new ones get some jalapenos next time because we anyway, use a lot of that peppers if you want like a plant an herb that is fairly easy to grow it's not an herb what it, fruit it's a vegetable, a vegetable. Yeah, a fruit yeah, i mean it's 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 easier than tomatoes it's easier than mm-hmm carrots we've had some real fails with carrots carrots are yeah they're well we have weird soil here i mean we have real even challenges. In, in maryland it's been real hit or miss with the carrots yeah. you gotta th i think pretty aggressively thin and tend to them because hmm. they're tiny little seeds i think carrots you can buy on paper strips uh, like a coil yeah. of like a paper strip and it's got the seeds in it and then you just plant the whole strip I th yeah. There's some plants like that. I I've remember tried my mom that doing. though. I tried that in Virginia, and it was. 
All right, but you don't. refused to thin your carrots in I Virginia. I'd come back and I'd look at his garden and there'd be like 30 I, carrots in like a one uh, inch square space. And it'd be like, you have to pill I, all of those except I, for one. I am the opposite of what needs to be done on that one. Like aggressively take out everything that is not the strongest. And I'd be like, but they, they have a chance and you never know how it's going to develop. And then they all die. Yeah, and then they all die. Yeah. But at least it wasn't me. It was God. <laughs> it was nature that's ruined. It was your inaction. It was nature. Murdered your carrots. No, I think a bunny should have come in and eaten some. <laughs> For me. <laughs> All right, what else? It's his own floof. Nacho's got a He's mouth eating thing his own going on. Floof. It's floof. Right, you know what? Enjoy that, Nacho. You weirdo. What oh, else? What else? Hang on, hang on, hang on. My Are hero of the list? week. Oh, yeah. Is. Simone Biles. Oh, she's great, and she just got the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yes, but I give her credit not only for being an awesome athlete, which is freaking Mm -hmm. amazing. She is. But also, like, figuring herself out, speaking out against the sexual abuse in the system, not pushing herself beyond reasonable limits in the last Olympics. I mean, she really seems to be coming into her own as as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, despite all the pressures and despite all the naysayers and despite all the, the freaking online crap I'm sure she gets. Yeah. So good for her, man. She is strong above and beyond her, her inches. Good job, Simone Biles. Yeah, good job. That's my hero of the week. Good. That's a regular segment on the Patreon uh, bonus pod. Yeah, I just think she's, she's awesome. Um, you got a lot of content here. Well, look, you I'm put impressed. me in charge. What am I going to do? Wilt and die and cry? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I expected. No, no. <laughs> no, I got I got a lot that I've written down here. A lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm learning about dew point. Yeah. This is all boring for a regular, you know. This is a bonus It pod. has nothing to do with dogs, but dew point. Dew point. Which is more Canadian, I think, than American. Not but true. I th- really? I mean, I look. The dew point is literally the thing I look at every day after temperature. Right. It's compared to humidity, right? It's a it's a refinement mm-hmm. of the humidity index. Yeah. Um, and I know it only because I know it's a thing, only because there was some eight bit text based video game that I played. <laughs> this I don't may know have been story. on the Commodore sixty four. Maybe mm-hmm. it was an nice. early video game. Like, not video game, but online game. But it was Lemonade Stand. I played that game. That was a great game. But it had dew point as a data point. Oh. Like, when the dew point was really high, you needed to buy more lemons because you were going to sell more lemonade. That if was such dew, a good game. dew point was low, you had to, like, you wouldn't want to overinvest because you have lemonade left over. Yeah. And so the whole thing was you managed your resources, right? You had to buy lemons yeah. and buy sugar and buy, I don't think you had to buy water, but... And then it would tell you how much you would sell, but it was often influenced by the dew point. Yeah, or if there were construction workers down the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was it was like a text-based game, I think. I don't think there were graphics. Uh, so it was on the Commodore 64. It was on a tape. Yes. Or I guess you could play it on, on Apple's. I didn't. Not a Mac, an Apple. I didn't have an Apple back then. This must yeah. have been a Commodore 64 game. I right? had a Commodore 64 too. Yeah. That must have been it. Anyway, that's why I know Dew Point. I didn't exactly know what it was, but if it was higher, you'd sell more lemonade. 
because <laughs> it <Yeah>. was humid. <laughs> but I always thought it was because it was like a Canadian measurement or something, the dew point. Oh, interesting. But obviously it was an American game. It's a business game, business simulation game. Yes. Con- created in 1973 by Bob Jameson of the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium, which I believe also did Oregon Trail. Oh, really? Yeah, that was they much, did. much later, though. Uh, Oregon Trail. Or I never played the original, right? It was I 1971. Th- but it had the revival in the 2008s or something. Anyway, Lemonade Stand was two years after Oregon Trail, which I absolutely wow. played at school. Uh, the key was to make more money. And you could like, but you had to spend mm-hmm. money to make money. That's it was right. It was text-based and you had to buy like cups and yes. lemons and sugar. And That's they'd right. give you like the conditions. Like there's construction workers and here's the temp- the weather. That's stuff. right. Your, your road is closed <laughs> or something or, or, you know, and then it would get cold. You, if you overbought lemons and cups for the cold days you'd somehow lose money. All right, here's what it says. I'm I'm reading you a screen from Lemonade Stand. It is text-based. On day two, the cost of lemonade is two cents. Lemonade Stand one. Assets, three dollars and five cents. How many glasses of lemonade do you wish to make? So it's two cents to make a glass of lemonade. Yeah. That's what that means. And you have three dollars and five cents. So you can, at most, make as many glasses as, like, your budget allows. How many advertising signs do you want to make? Oh, they cost yeah. 15 cents each. And what price in cents do you wish to charge for lemonade? A hot days, you could make more and, and, and charge more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you didn't have to advertise as heavily. Yep. And then at the end of the day, you'd get Lemonsville Daily Financial Report. <laughs> and so it would say, how many glasses did you sell? So this is 50 glasses sold, 10 cents per glass, income $5. And then 50 glasses made, three signs made, so your expenses were $1.45, so your profit was $3.55, and your assets are $6.60. Press space to continue or escape to end. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was a good game. So that's where I learned about dew point. High dew point equals more lemonade sold. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. It doesn't show dew point on here, but it's definitely missing a screen. There was a screen with conditions and Anyway, stuff. dew point, as you've taught, retaught me again, I knew this, is when dew begins to form on a surface of that temperature. Mm-hmm. So when if the dew point is 70, if you put something outside... A glass of 70 degree water. Exactly. If you put something outside that's 70 degrees, it will form condensation. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And what did we have? The dew point was like 79. 77. 70, 70, it was 79, 79. yesterday, So if you put something out at 79 degrees, which is pretty warm... Yeah. In a cold climate, you'd be like, oh, 79 degrees, that's pretty warm. It forms dew. It means at night we get condensation forming on our windows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we keep it warm. It turned like I feel like we keep it comfortable in here, but we keep it much warmer than like the average people do. During the day. During the day. Because when you come inside, you still feel like, oh, this is nice and cold. It's very you? cold. We keep it like between 77 and 79 you know, 77 or 78 during the day yep i saw people in texas like tweeting because they were having power problems with their heat wave and someone was complaining that like their nest thermostat you know puts it up to 79 automatically to conserve 
energy yeah and people were talking about how inhumane it is to have your thermostat at 79 and i was like i kind of put it at 79 it doesn't a lot. yeah it must be different if you have like a giant house or something because know. ours seems like 79 is fine compared to the outside where it's 92 yep. yeah um anyway. but yeah there's a lot of mornings where we wake up and there's the windows are all dewy yeah and not because it's so cold in here but because the dew point is so high Vink, Vink, stop in harassing your brothers. Brothers, stop harassing Vink. <laughs> Guac. Yeah. Guac wants to play with Vink. Guac is playing with Vink, and Nacho's like, oh, there's shit going down. Let me get involved in this. He doesn't really know what to do, and I think the two brown boys against Vink will be a little overwhelming. I think so. I'm going to let Vink out. Okay. I'll pause the podcast here. Guess what else? What? Today I learned, and I really didn't know this. This isn't like a thing that I knew and have forgotten. You know the unicorn song. You got your green alligators and long neckies, some humpback camels and some chimpanzees. You got to do it with an Irish accent because every Irish pub, not in America, every Irish pub in the world like including Germany and Australia and <laughs> South Africa and probably India. You go to an Irish pub, it's always, they always have Guinness on tap <laughs> and they always have some dude who comes in on Saturday night and sings Irish songs that include the allig the alligator song, the unicorn song. You got your green, I can't, I can't do it. And long neckies. Humpty back camels and your chimpanzees. Sounds pretty much like yeah, what I did the first I know. time. Well, you can't overdo it on yeah. these. You know, it was Shel Silverstein. He's American. He didn't pick songs. He didn't pick letter words that would be Irish. We were listening to the X and the sound man from hell who was drunk and often is. <laughs> Thank goodness something stayed the same <laughs> in the keys. Uh, he was like, so we're going to play some more songs from some Key West artists and he listed some people and he said, we'll do a Shel Silverstein song. And I went, oh, probably the unicorn song. And Ingo went, Shel Silverstein did the unicorn song? And I was Come like, yeah, man. on. Yeah. I mean, I know Shel Silverstein in part because of the giving tree, in part because, you know, I, I, for my daughter, we had a book of Shel Silverstein poems for also, her as a kid. Key, res Key West resident. And later learned he was a Key West resident. He was a weird dude and a yeah. lot of his stuff is super dark. Oh, yeah. A lot of like it's like a royal doll a lot of like people getting eaten and people dying and suffering monsters actually eating people and stuff yeah. i mean it's a oh, very yeah. he's got a very dark sense of humor so the unicorn song kind of is consistent with that because it's you know they're all drowned at the end the end <laughs> um but it's unicorns. such a fixture in the world of irish pubs and the world is this unicorn song and he wrote the thing Yep. Amazing. Nobody yep. ever credits him. No one, no one in the Irish bar goes, hey, we're singing this unicorn song from Shel Silverstein. He's a weird looking fella. <laughs> Your Irish accent is terrible. I know. It's weird because you have generally incredibly impressive accents I across a wide range. I haven't prepared. That that Irish one's not one of them. I have not prepared. <laughs> I have not. And I'm, and I, yeah, I don't do Irish. I mean, that's like the leprechaun stuff and I, that's that sounds real derogatory yeah yeah i don't mind defending other like other nations but 
I don't want to offend the Irish. A lot of times when we're like watching like the Euro Cup or whatever, I'll be like, oh, it's Italy versus Greece. And he goes like, Italy and Greece are both terrible countries and everybody there is awful. And I was like, woo, like a whole European thing just entered here. Yeah. And it's old fashioned and totally unjustified. But you scratch a European and their their nationality will come out and their old national prejudices will come out, too. I mean, the British are open about how much fun they make of like the Germans from World War One, not World War Two. They're like stuck <laughs> in World, like the Huns. It's like, dude, that was 1917. Well, you've never made fun of the Irish. Or no, the Irish are awesome. I don't make fun of the Irish. No. Okay. Nah. So anyway, Shel Silverstein lived in Key West. Mm-hmm. I think died here. Um, I think he lived in here until his death is the good way to put it. Mm-hmm. And wrote the unicorn song, which is like a huge best-selling song. Well. Dude did well. Yeah. What a weird connection. Anyway. I'm I'm happy to have blown your mind slightly. Shel Silverstein wrote that song that I independently know from everywhere else. You are correct. He did die here in Key West, May 10th, 1999. 1999. That's not even that long ago. He died of a heart attack. But he's buried at Westlawn Cemetery in Norwich, Illinois. Norwich. Norridge. Norridge. But we say Norridge. Oh, that's too bad because we were. I was thinking maybe we'd go to the Key West Cemetery and look at Shell Silverstein's grave. That would have been cool. He's from the Chicago land area. He was actually born in Chicago. Really? Yep. Huh. Well, you can you can claim him. Yeah, uh, when I was in elementary school, we had like Shell Silverstein Day, and I think it's because he was a chicago in i think he has some poem about getting eaten by a snake or something i mean there's some weird I'm stuff being going eaten on by a boa constrictor yes that one? yes yeah it's a good one Ugh. i don't know is it, it i mean it ends with a gulp and you're dead <laughs> you're dead yeah. it, like it talks about all the body parts the boa is eating yeah 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 he he was a complicated guy and his poems are actually a lot deeper than they seem and the giving tree i know has given generations of people a reason to debate good versus bad and parenting styles here's here's yeah. a story from his wikipedia page silverstein reportedly met a woman from sausalito named susan taylor hastings at the playboy mansion <laughs> what, 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 you're what, laughing what? now Too and much. They, they had a daughter named shoshana jordan hastings born in 1970 susan the mom died june 27th 1975 one day before shoshana's fifth birthday and shoshana went to live with her uncle and aunt in baltimore maryland shoshana died of a cerebral aneurysm april 24th 1982 at the age of 11. shell silverstein's book a light in the attic is dedicated to her oh no no wonder he's a little dark he had bad stuff happening silverstein later met key west native sarah spencer who drove a tourist train and you guys, there's only one. It's the, the trolley conch train, the yeah. conch train, and inspired Silverstein's song, "The Great Conch Train Robbery." Man. Yep. If I did a little bit more research, I probably would have not been surprised by any <laughs> of this. Does that mention the? Does that entry mention the unicorn song? Cause come on. This is just the personal life section. Um, I think the Great Conch Train Robbery was that song we were listening to on our way into the race today. Oh. When it was talking about the conch train. Yeah, I bet that it was that song. Wow. Um, all right, here's what it says about the unicorn song. Uh, Silver Silverstein also wrote Cash's biggest hit, A Boy Named Sue. Get 
out. <laughs> Mind again blown. Let's let's just do the whole music. Section. I knew that though. I just remembered that. But that's also amazing. That is Johnny Cash's biggest hit, and it was Shel Silverstein about naming your kid Sue. So he turns out tough because he has to fight everyone about it. Yeah. You know, it's a dark age, and it's you know gender intolerant and all that. But at the time, Johnny Cash sang it as a very like interesting funny song and was kind of angry about the whole thing it's not a gender intolerant song it's just like people give me a hard time and it sucks if i remember it correctly i named my ki- my son sue so he'd be tough because he had to fight everyone who called him who laughed at him when his name was sue or something like that i i thought it was from the perspective of the boy named sue but i gotta say i haven't listened that closely kill that son of a bitch who kill who named me sue he was angry about it at the end all right, so he also wrote The Unicorn. He recorded it in 1962, but it's better known in its version by the Irish Rovers. That's why. Yeah. That's why it gets Irished everywhere. There you go. Nothing wrong with the Irish Rovers. It says he also penned a lesser known song titled Fuck 'em. <laughs> I wonder why that was lesser known. <laughs> the Irish Rovers didn't cover the Fuck 'em song. I mean, maybe they did. Too early for the Pogues, perhaps. Too early for the Clash. All right, there you go. Sex Pistols would have covered fuck (laughs) them. What else is on your list, Ingo? That was not in my children's books by Shel Silverstein. (laughs) Although it might have been. Who knows? He had that attitude. Yeah. What else is on my list? That's getting to the end now. It's pretty good. I mean, you're in charge of this podcast, so. No, I think we're good. I mean, if you have some more like little stories or something or disasters or whatever. Nope, nope. We're good. Good. Yeah. Mm. All right, everyone. Well, until next week or next time. Yeah. You never know. Keep keep checking. Slava Ukraini. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't bite anyone unless they ask you to. Nah, don't. It's not worth it. Bye. Bye. Bye.